0: Okay. Funny is clean joke. Funny is clean joke. Clean, clean joke. Clean. Funny. <laughs> and funny. Uh, we'll get back to you. We'll be right back.
1: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into the Saving Sophie podcast. I am here with my amazing little girl, Sophie. Say hi, Sophie. Hi. Today, we are super excited about the guest that we're going to be talking with. It is the legendary, one and only, Tommy Chong himself, the grandfather of cannabis. Tommy, you know, the reason I was really interested about having him on is he's so much more than just a comedian. He really has been advocating for medical cannabis for a really long time. He's had his own struggles with disease in which he's used cannabis to help him. And I really wanna dig into what that experience has been like uh, for him being the legendary Tommy Chong, master of comedy, writer, actor, director, musician, dancing with the stars phenomenon. I mean, this guy has literally done it all, but in all of these years, there has been one common theme, his love and support for this plant. Tommy was diagnosed with cancer and ended up using medical cannabis as one of the treatment options that he you know had the I always call it one of our tools in our tool belts, that he used in order to help him get through this battle. And then when it came back again, he then went back to cannabis again as well. And I'm going to let him tell you his story straight from the from the horse's mouth, the comedian's mouth extraordinaire. And it's just, you know, I have to tell you, it's a real honor. This is one of these guys that I grew up. Watching his movies and listening to his albums and to know this man and to um, To to be able to to have this conversation with him. I have to say it's it's pretty freaking cool I mean really is This, this guy's the ultimate legend and he has never been afraid of fighting for it, using it, being public about it, and everyone else has just had to hide so, for so, so many years in the shadows. And Tommy's just never been afraid. He stood up for his family, He the, the cops came in and tried to make an example out of him. He had uh, His son, Paris, had created a bomb company, and in order to spare his son and his wife, he actually went to jail for them and, and uh, took a plea deal, and was, are you ready for this? In the same prison cell, as the Wolf of Wall Street himself. So I'm probably going to ask a couple of questions about that today as well, just to kind of get some color, because, man, if those walls could talk. So we're going to get to it. We're going to go ahead and introduce our guest today, Mr. Tommy Chong, and then we're all going to go up and smoke. Hello. Hi, how are you?
0: Good, how are you?
1: I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast.
0: You're more than welcome, dear.
1: I have to tell you, um... Every, I, and I don't know if you even remember this, Tommy, but we have actually met in person before at the—I uh, believe it was this—was it the Cinderella Ballet over at UCLA? I'd met you and your wife there one night. It was right after you had gotten done with Dancing with the Stars, and it oh, was—I yeah. don't know if you remember—but it was uh, it was a few years back, and it was it was such a treat for me. Um, so I'm really I'm really excited to have you on the show today. I know that you and I have both been really putting our hearts and souls into the cannabis industry and trying to do a lot of really wonderful things for this plant but you go back so much further than I do so I'm really interested <laughs> in hearing so much more about how you how you decided this was the path that you wanted to go down and we're going to just, you know, have a cool conversation today. I want to talk about the past, the present, the future, and everything in between. But I'd really like to start at the beginning. and sure. And I'd love for you to kind of tell me what your introduction to cannabis was and, and how you decided to become this character that launched you into superstardom.
0: Well, it, it all started in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I was uh, at a, a little jazz club called uh, the Flat Fives and uh, it was a little private jazz club uh owned or operated by musicians and what it, what it was was like it's a place where musicians could come after their uh, after hours you know after their their night jobs or day jobs and and just jam you know just play yeah. and because i was a, a i was a rock uh like rhythm and blues musician you know i wasn't a jazz player i wasn't that good but i uh, <laughs> used to bring my guitar, you know, down until so they, they saw I was a musician. So I got in for free. And, uh, and it was there that I met uh, a bass player, a Chinese bass player, a guy by the name of Raymond Ma mm-hmm. and, and Raymond, I'd met him off and on, you know, but he had, uh, he had, he hadn't been around for a few days. And then he finally showed up when one night when I was at the club and he, uh, he gave me a present. He gave me a Lenny Bruce record oh. an album and a joint. <laughs> a nicely, my first joint that I ever had in my hand. What, at, uh, what
1: year was this?
0: 1957. That's quite the gift. <laughs> 19, 1957. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was the gift. And so I put the joint in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he lit up his, another one. And he gave me my first uh taste of pot and how old and were you
1: uh, during this time?
0: I, I guess I was seventeen.
1: Wow,
0: I was seventeen, yeah, and did you just yeah, fall in yeah.
1: love immediately where you was like i've found I found the holy well, grail
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of did, but you know because back then you know uh, marijuana was still considered you know a devil's drug you know and, oh yeah, and I hadn't done anything other than drink you know alcohol. Uh-huh. But I was, uh, I was pretty much of a health nut, but even back then, you know, I was trying to gain weight, trying to get some muscle. I was sure. playing football uh, in school at the time. And so then, uh, after I, I went home after the experience of getting high, you know, I loved it so much because I listened <clears throat> to music to jazz and I didn't heard jazz for the first time, you know. You really, really... feel
1: it. Yeah. It just it's it, it does that for me. I, I always yeah. say that if I wanna do something that I don't like to do, I'm gonna microdose and get a little psychoactive because everything's more fun when you're high, especially cleaning. Everything's <laughs> more fun
0: when you're high. And right. it
1: makes me so much more creative and it opens up my mind and you can just feel the music. You don't just hear it anymore. You're really there and present with it. So I completely oh, feel you. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I could... The the tune, I remember everything about it. It was a, a tune called The Lonely Woman by Ornette Coleman, which is, a, he's a sax player, a jazz sax player, and... Uh, Oh, I literally saw the whole <laughs> the, the lonely woman sitting in her apartment wow. uh, looking, looking out the window, and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was such a trip. And so then I went home with the, with the Lenny Bruce record, and I put it on, and I never laughed so hard in all my life. <laughs> I just laughed and laughed and laughed and then played it over and over again, and then uh, then I started uh, smoking my joint that he gave me. And it lasted almost a month because I just took a little bit, <laughs> I'd smoke I'd a couple of joint, a couple of toasts, put it out, and then uh, play the record. Then that was my routine for about a month. About a month. The the other thing I did, I went to school. I think the next Monday, and I quit school immediately. I said, you know, I know what I want to do now. I wow. to be a bl- I wanted to be a blues guitar player. And there was nothing, in, I wasn't learning anything in school that was going to make me uh, a better blues guitar player. So, sure. and this was my second bout at school. You know, I, I had quit before and then i came back and I finished grade 10 and then I was halfway, yeah, about halfway or more than halfway through 11 and I just couldn't do it. I, I said, that's it. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, I, you ever get the, the chance
1: the, to tell Lenny Bruce this story before he, before he passed away?
0: You know, I, I the only the closest I got to Lenny was he was performing in uh, the um, uh, club in San Francisco. And I happened to be there, and I saw them on the marquee, you know, that Lenny Bruce was appearing. Uh-huh. And so I, uh, I, I never had any money. So I went down to the club, and I sat in the kitchen. Uh, the, the kitchen door was open. And I sat outside, and I could just hear him. Uh, and that was enough. I just listened to him, and and as he, you know, entertained the audience, and uh, it was pretty incredible. It was it was very special for me.
1: Wow, I I bet that he would uh be quite excited to know that that one listen of a record created someone as iconic as you are. I mean, that's that's I I didn't know that about you. That's a really interesting well, fact. Thank you for sharing that story.
0: Uh, well, what, to you know, to, when Cheech and I finally got together. Now, when I listened to Lenny, I wasn't a comedian, you know, I was uh, a musician. Uh, And, uh, and, uh, and so when I, you know, but I got turned on to comedy, like uh, the committee, improvisational comedy. And so that's when I was in San Francisco, and that's where I I heard Lenny in the kitchen, and then I heard all these other uh, groups, uh, you know, like the committee, you know, at the club itself, and uh, and so I I had no idea at the time. See, I was just a, you know, blues musician Uh playing in a band, and I had no idea at the time that I was going to become a comedian, you know, not even just watching all the comedy, but it was, it just... I I just uh, was gravitated toward it you know because it was so much like music but it was like comedy it was beautiful
1: well there's pacing there's, and there's rhythm and you have you know you have the timing has to be on so I, I you really do have all to flow of- much like you do in music were you always a funny guy were you kind of like the class clown no. or no, not at all. Not
0: at all. No. Wow. No. I, was the, I was the quiet guy. I was the backup guitar player.
1: Wow, that's <laughs> that's hard to imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, what I was, was not, it that brought you out of your shell?
0: Well, what happened, you know, musically, and thanks to pot again, you know, because uh, once I got turned on the pot, uh, you know, then and, and music, you know, then it became. It wasn't. You know, the great thing about pot was that I didn't need it all the time. Sure. You know, I, I was not addicted in any way. Right. But if it, but it just so happened that, you know, it was part of the culture and uh, and it just so happened that, you know, other guys in the band. It's so funny because I was in a band at the time, and then the the piano player and myself were were the only ones smoking pot in the band and we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> we kept it a secret until one time in Vancouver. We we ended up in Vancouver, and I was outside, uh, you know, with the with a guy that sold, sold the pot. And next thing I know, here comes a piano player. <laughs> 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 so we we looked at each other. And said, oh, you too? Huh? Okay.
1: <laughs> that, you know, I I I can only imagine the kind of shift that you went through from being this very quiet young man who's an athlete to diving headfirst into a very different kind of life experience. And now you've got these recreational drugs and you've got all the, the ladies that are, I'm sure, flocking to you. And at what point after this did the comedy really start to kick up? And, and when did Cheech enter the picture?
0: Well, that's, that was the, the whole thing. See, I had I, I watched all this comedy and listened to all this comedy. And so I was uh, you know well burst and the thing is about being a musician you have to re- remember things of course you know uh, you have to learn uh, music and and learning music you have to learn lyrics you know if you're singing you have to know the lyrics you have to really explore the song and and so it was my musical training that helped me remember uh, all the comedy bits that I would see and and so I could, I could watch him. I under you know, I, I, I could remember him. I, I had a little file in the back of my head and I remembered all these bits. And so when I got fired from Motown, I, I literally got fired from Motown. We got discovered by Diana Ross in, in the Supremes uh, in uh, right after that. Let's see, 19.
1: Well, funny enough, 50, funny enough, funny enough, Tommy, I'm actually uh-huh. friends with her daughter Chudney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a a mommy friend of mine and has been a wonderful human being and supporter of mine and Sophie's journey and my husband's journey since, God, for years now. And (laughs) our Saving Sophie charity event that you've, you know, our organization that you've been so gracious to support over the years had, uh, we had a big fundraiser last year and she came. And so there's a little bit of a connection there for you and I.
0: Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Diana Ross, when she saw the band, you know, uh, the Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, uh, she she immediately called Barry Gordy and said, you know, you got to sign these guys. And so he did. And and then we went to uh, Detroit and we cut a record uh, that I wrote, you know, Does Your Mama Know About Me? And Diana Ross, again, she loved the song so much that she put it on her album, you know. Uh, wow. And, uh, and. And so that was our connection. And then I thought I had a career with Motown until, uh, uh, it, you know, we got, uh, found out uh, the, the customs people came by, immigration, and they found out that, you know, there were Canadians down in Detroit working without a permit. <laughs> and so, and so, they, uh, so they, <clears throat> they literally deported us to Canada, you know, across wow. the river. And then I had to get a green card. And so while I was getting a green card, uh, you know, I was playing, uh, another, I had another job playing with, uh, uh, another singer of Barry Gordy's, uh, Chris Clark <clears throat> and, uh, and the manager of Chris Clark's band, <clears throat> you know, I told him that I had to do this, uh, this, uh, meeting. So I had to miss uh, a night, uh, you know, I had to go back, uh, to Detroit to do this meeting, you know, the green card meeting mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and he really wasn't paying much attention. He just told me, he said, no, if you, if you leave, you're fired. And so I just ignored it, you know, of course. And then I left and uh, went to the meeting and came back to uh, the gig. And then the guy told me then, he said, you're fired. Wow. And so I got uh, so I got my, my stuff and my girlfriend at the time. She was in the motel waiting for me. <laughs> and so I, uh, I uh, went back and I told her, I got fired, and she said, "Oh, good, honey, that band sucks."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, little did you know, you know, it's one of those things where I always, I mean, there's been a with you know with with everything that we've gone through with Sophie in the last six years. She just got off of chemo, by the way. I'm not sure if you were even aware, but after six years of chemotherapy, October 23rd, she took her very last dose. And oh, nice! I know it's amazing. So we're having our very first Christmas since she was born, where she's not on some sort of toxic chemical of some sort, you know, battling this tumor. But I always say, you know, every time something really tragic happens to me personally, um, over the years, I always wait because usually it creates what I like to call these life pivots and it puts you on a different path. And there's always something better that seems to come down the road. If you can just keep your eyes open to it. And it's exactly what happened to you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when I got fired, I told uh, uh you know then Barry Gordy called up you know a few days later and he said no 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 you're not fired that was a mistake you know <laughs> the guy had no idea you know and I told Barry I said, you know I think I'm going to stay fired <laughs> Barry I said uh, I want to be I said I want to become a Barry Gordy Jr. I don't want to work for one
1: oh. and he,
0: and he said I can I he says I I totally understand that and he gave me a nice severance uh, pay and, uh, and back to Canada, you way. went, right? Then... And, no, actually, I went to California. Oh, okay. And I was going to just write songs and, uh, you know, go to the gym and <laughs> work out. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and then I had to go back to the clubs because we had nightclubs in Vancouver. And, I, and so I went back there to work the clubs, you know, to get them, work, you know, get them popular again. A mutual friend, a little Russian, by the way, said, uh, "I know a guy that's really funny. It'd be perfect for your show." And so uh, that's when I met Cheech. And so Cheech came up and uh, and he saw the show and then he, he joined the show and he was like the third guy. You know, he was he did a lot of watching and then he had a few bits that he had introduced into the show itself. And so then my brother fired us all because <laughs> we weren't making any money. Oh, the more successful. <laughs> The more successful we became, the, the, the less, less money less you made. Revenue, the less revenue we brought in. Well, and so happened?
1: So how did you huh? go from this to like deciding to get into the movie business? Because that's a that's kind of a big leap.
0: <laughs> well, when 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 he fired us, everybody went back to their other job. You know, because these are actors that you know they they were just doing this for for fun. Cheech and I were the only ones that said, you know, this is like like this is what we're doing, our life. Yeah, and and so. Uh, so we put a band together, you know, because I was a musician, you mm-hmm. know, and he's a singer, and so we put a little band together. But and then we entered the uh, Battle of the Bands contest. But we th- decided to do a little comedy first, and the comedy was so strong we never got around to playing. You know? Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: but did you win? I mean, can you even yeah, win we're... the Battle of the Bands? Battle of the Bands when you're when you're doing comedy well, bits?
0: <laughs> well, I'm quite sure we never, but we always say we won. <laughs> because the, the audience really ate it up. I mean, these were kids, you know, and they were, they were used to dance. And, and instead of dance, they all jumped, came to the front of the stage and sat down and just enjoyed the hell out of the comedy. They loved it. And so, uh, well, that was it. Then Cheech and Chong was born that night. Wow. In fact, in fact, we were driving home and my, we were driving to my dad's old Dodge and the windshield wipers quit working and it was raining. It was pouring out. And so we had to take turns working the uh, the the windshield wipers manually with a coat hanger, and, oh and so we're, we're out we're outside in the rain, and trying to figure out what to call ourselves. And and then uh, I asked Cheech, I said, "Do you have a nickname?" And he said, "Yeah, Cheech." And so I said, "Cheech and Chong." It was so perfect.
1: Oh, it's yeah, so yeah it's, it's Cheech and
0: Chong. It just rolls off it just the tongue. <laughs> off tongue. And how and, did Cheech and, and, get
1: his nickname? What's the story behind that?
0: Ooh, when he was born, he looked like a little chicharron. You know, their <laughs> little pork, pork, little pork rind. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. That, that's what he looks like. He looked like a little chicharron. That's so hilarious. They, they call him Chee, but it's a, a very popular nickname. It, Italians, you know, Frank. Is, uh, everybody named Frank are called Chich. Oh, you know that? Yeah, yeah. And so Chee. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a little chicharron. So what was and that so like
1: he, for you guys? I mean, you, you go from this nightclub that's, you know, there's a lot of people coming around, and, and it's successful in its own right because of the the momentum that you've made and the types of people that you're attracting. But then you become these huge, huge celebrities that, I mean, you really, you were really out there saying, you know what, we're smoking pot. We don't care. Do something about it. We're gonna have fun with it. We're gonna make money. It's gonna be a good time. And and this was yeah. a time where that really wasn't quite as acceptable. Definitely not as as acceptable as it was today. What was it? It was like? highly
0: illegal. It, it was
1: highly illegal. illegal. I know. Yeah, yeah. and uh,
0: and well, it was it was exciting. It was exciting because I, you know, we. I knew we were right. You see, I, see, I've been a health addict all my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I. I never did anything to excess at all, except laugh. That was the only thing <laughs> it's I the did. The best medicine. And uh, but I always knew that marijuana was good because of mm-hmm. guys like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Now I knew Arnold before I met Cheech. Oh wow! You know, yeah, because I was like I said when I went to California to write songs, I, I joined the gym immediately, and I met all the big guys at Gold's Gym, the sure. original Gold's Gym, yeah. and so that's when I realized that th- th- these guys, you know, they wouldn't drink any soda water, or, you know, any pop, or any any sugar, any anything like that, but they would smoke pot.
1: Little did all they know it. what it was doing for them medicinally for their repair and recovery <laughs> after they worked out every day. We we have those facts now, but back in the day, it was more yeah. of, you oh, just, they knew just it. made you feel good.
0: No, they knew it. They knew it. They instinctively knew it. They could know? tell the difference, and, I'm and, sure. And the same thing, I knew it, too, because when you look at these guys, and they're built like, a, you know, a gods, mm, you know, yeah. like Adonises, and, and and when they got a joint in their mouth, they won't touch a beer, but they got a joint. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> it didn't take me long to realize, you know, that I was on to Yeah. And then I'd met. I'd met we become friends with like guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh-huh. you know, the basketball player. Sure. And he, he, he stretched his career seven years past where he should have been retiring because of his marijuana. Wow. He, I didn't he, know that. He had, he had migraine problems. Uh-huh. And so he needed his pot. So he, him and I used to buy pot and, and share with each other. You That's know? cool. That's, that's 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 pretty
1: cool. I got. I I was a basketball player for twelve years. My dad was a huge basketball player. My first gift as a baby was a tiny basketball. So that's you know to, to be to be burning down with the with the the legend himself. That's that's a pretty cool story. And it's you know and I get it. And what what a lot of people probably don't know that that we do know today is that migraines have been linked to an endocannabinoid deficiency. Endocannabinoids are indigenous in our body, which mimic. Cannabinoids—they they look yeah. molecularly the same as cannabinoids. So when he was taking this cannabis, it was supplementing those deficiencies and helping with these migrates. Yeah.
0: exactly, exactly. And he was a jazz. And there's another thing too: light and music has a big effect on our brain. You know, I mean, I, I was in a session just recently where they use light on on the eyes and they put earphones on you and, uh, and you do a, like a 20 minute. And what it does, it reboots the brain. Yeah. Uh, with, with the light The
1: light therapy. I've you, seen you, that. you got
0: your, yeah, you've got your eyes closed, mm-hmm. light therapy washes over you. And yeah. because your brain has different, uh, uh, you know, there's different aspects to each person's brain. So you see a different light show. No one sees exactly the same light sure. show. And, and, uh, I did it uh, just recently, and, uh, and the guy told me, he says, uh, you're going to sleep really well tonight, and I did. I didn't wake up during the night. I slept all the way through to 8.30, and it was a miracle. You're
1: going to have to give me uh, this doctor's information because I am the world's worst sleeper, and I wake up like three times a night.
0: It's not, apparently, it's not out yet, but a light therapy, yeah, that's what you want to do. Yeah. You want to do it. it it's, it's so painless. It's so relaxing after you, you know, you put earphones on, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no, there's no chemical taste or anything in your mouth. It's just... Just light flashing, rebooting your brain. Yeah, it's, I've it's done something
1: similar. I, I went to this, um, one of my friends is a naturopathic doctor. She's done a lot of clinical research. She's worked with NASA. And she had like this black band um, that I put around my eyes and it had all these little like red dots in it that would light up and all the, the patterns would change. And it was it was super, I, I did it a couple of years ago, it was super relaxing um yeah. and one of my nurse friends has this helmet type thing that she bought that she kind of lays her head in and she does it like 20 minutes a day and she said it has absolutely changed her life.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I don't you know I, I I've never really I, I always knew that you loved to work out and that you were super healthy back in the day. I didn't know that you were such a big health nut though and that's really um I, I really love hearing that because I think that there's this this whole um, misunderstanding about people who consume cannabis in large amounts. They they think that you're unhealthy, and they think that you know you're you're. I mean, the perceptions have clearly changed today, based on where they were when you were in your in your heyday. But um, yeah, well, but you well, still well, we, we we've been stigmatized, and I'm I'm a be- well, very healthy person as well.
0: And I I have to uh, take blame for a lot of it, you know, because when Teach and I came up with these characters, you know, know, we didn't want to be, you know, preaching to anybody. But on the other hand, what I did, we did it subliminally. You know, sure. we, we did little, 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 little messages in the movie Up in Smoke. Yeah. you know, for instance, where I'm, I'm working out and 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 uh, drinking health food. <laughs> you know, protein drink <laughs> and, and, and at home. You know, my dad's telling me get a job by sunset or. I'm shipping you up to the military school of
1: the <laughs> Yeah, I was watching. I was watching this video yeah. called Chong's Parents, where you're like mixing up smoothies <laughs> in the kitchen, and your dad's like screaming at you, yeah. and you're just sitting yeah. there like making your your little health shakes and stuff. It's hilarious.
0: Just ignoring, ignoring. And completely
1: him. ignoring him. Yeah, he was like losing his mind, and you were completely ignoring him. But that was the funniest thing ever. It's on on YouTube. I watched it on the way to the studio today.
0: Well, and, tonight. Teach and I both, at least I realized, you know, uh, I took a page out of uh, Charlie Chaplin, Mm -hmm. you know, when they asked him about the tramp, you know, and he said, well, he found a character that everybody could look down on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And everybody could relate to. And, And he always had the tramp involved with very wealthy people. And so you could see the the, the carefree, uh, you know, when the guy has nothing, you got nothing to lose. And then if you have everything, then you have everything to lose. And so, so Chich and I, we try to portray the lowest common denominator <laughs> in, in our society. <laughs> the dumb
1: stoners, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and uh, you know the Chicano, you know, in love with his car, <laughs> and, and, and 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 the musician that that all he wants to do is smoke dope and and, and get high yeah. and play and play music. That's all they want
1: to do. Well and I, I have to thank you because you have um created a lot of highlights in my life filled with laughter and comedy and I grew up on your movies and just really always enjoyed them. And it's it's kind of crazy how this whole cannabis thing has come full circle because, you know, you start off in the movies, you know, well, first you're a jazz musician, and and you know, you're you've got these bands and these clubs, and you know, you're living the life, and then you jump into the movies, and and you know, you're you're playing this stoner, which I'm sure you were typecast as in your personal life as well by people who didn't know you cuz that tends to happen when you play the same role over and over and over again they just start to believe that that's who you are and i'm sure part of that was you i mean i you love to smoke pot that was real but you're a very smart educated person who um you know has quite the brain about you not this not this uh not this this stoner type person in, that you portrayed in the films, but now it's become even more so medicinal for you because you you know you did you, you have had to deal with cancer in your life. Yeah, and yeah. It, when when this all happened, um, and you got that initial diagnosis in 2012, it was first prostate cancer, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what it was.
1: And, and did you immediately did you think back to yourself? Well, you know, I I've had these really medicinal experiences with this plan. I've watched these bodybuilders use it for health and wellness. I believe that it's helping me. Did you immediately believe that it could be something in 2012 that could help you with your battle?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I knew it. I knew it. That's why I used to do uh, CBD injections. You know, tell me about I, I was, that. Well, I would. It, it wasn't very pleasant, you know. <laughs> I, I'd get the needle in the butt, and they were pretty big needles because CBD oil is pretty thick.
1: thick. So you, you were know? doing the but, straight, uh, thick extracted cannabis oil, yeah. really thick, goopy stuff. Right, you were right, you were injecting right into it into your system.
0: butt, right into the system. Wow! And this was after this was after my operation. Uh, with uh, when I had the colostomy bag and and all that stuff, you know, I had rectal cancer.
1: I know. And so, yeah.
0: they, they, so, so, you know, when the right after the operation, I, I was doing uh, straight injections with the CBD oil, and I and I credit that for for helping my recovery. So, you know, become so complete, you know, because now now I'm. Totally, uh, you know, off everything. Other than now, I'm. <laughs> I went to a, a longevity doctor, and he gave me more pills than I've ever had in my life. Oh man! But it's all. But it's all like I had a blood test, and I'm cancer free. And, Congratulations. and a few things. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things you know that I need to boost up. And and because he's a uh, Dr. Uh, Gordon
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: in the valley, he's uh, a longevity expert. Oh, and so, we're very my cool. wife and I are both, my wife and I are both uh, trying to, uh, ch- you know, trying to change the the growth, the old old age uh, syndrome. Sure, you know, because we can, cause we, can, we can do it. I know we can do it. Uh, I, I know it, it's it's very possible. You know what it is? It, it's your mindset. Yeah. It's, it's see your your mind. Like if if you ever play golf or you play play any any kind of sport where you have to project. Uh, what you want to do, right? And and then it, then it gets done. Like the golfers, you know, they don't just look at the where they got to hit a shot. They, they look visualize at it exactly yeah. spot, and they, they they narrow the spot down, and they just pick a target. Yep. And then and then everything else is natural. Well, that shows you how powerful our our, our mind is you know our mind is that powerful yeah absolutely
1: and, there there's and, a there's a documentary on Netflix called Heal about that yeah. very thing and there's yeah. a book that I'm reading right now called Chasing Fire that talks all about yeah. how um, the Navy SEALs, for example, they get into what's called a flow state, and yeah. when they're all able to get into this flow state, not only are they able to use a lot more of their brain capacity, but they're able to get into this zone where they can communicate without communicating, and a lot yeah. of the big tech giants are, are doing different types of activities to try and help their teams stay more in a flow state because the productivity goes up, I think it's by something like over 30 um, percent, you become more productive and more creative. So there really is a lot to be said about the mind-body experience. And I've got some fun facts for you since you've been Mm. going, um, since you've had to battle cancer in the past. I, I don't know how aware of our research you are that we're doing, but we just had... Our scientist on, Dr. Anaheed Jewett, she is the world-leading expert in the field of natural killer cells, and your natural killer cells are part of your innate immune system, and what she's discovered in her 30 years of research is that it's the failure of the natural killer cell system that allows us... Uh, to get cancer in the first place, because we all have these cancer stem cells in our body. And what yeah. happens is when you don't have that defense mechanism against it, it goes through what's called this differentiation process. It basically morphs and mutates from a cancer stem cell, which is the seeds of cancer, to cancer. Cancer grows from these, these stem cells. So what we, really? have, what we have discovered in our science is that Not only and we have patented these findings and we're publishing on them, not only does cancer attack the cancer, cannabis attacks the cancer stem cells, which even chemotherapy and radiation can't do, which is helping us to understand first why it's aiding in getting rid of cancer in cancer patients. But also if you stay on cannabis, I believe it needs to be an oil um, instead of smoking. And we need to prove that. But I just believe that the oil, I believe the oil is more therapeutic. I would never put a patient on a joint necessarily because of the vapor going into the lungs and because it high heats. The terpenes tend to combust a little bit more um, freely than, you know, if you already have them present in, a, in an oil in in a stable state. But we've yeah. also discovered that cannabis is turning the natural killer cells back on. And that is also why it helps you uh, to combat this disease because the very system that is broken in the first place that allowed that cancer to thrive has now been repaired. And our theory (laughs) uh, <laughs> Hi, puppy. <laughs> Our theory around why it works for some and not for others, which we still have to do research on and prove out, is that some people may not have any natural killer cells left at all. Therefore, we're not, the cannabis isn't able to turn something on that isn't present. But if there are, these these uh, NK cells still present in the body and they haven't been completely destroyed by chemo or radiation or the disease or genetic um, uh, mutations or what have you, then we're finding in 19 of our 19 patients that we've looked at thus far, they've had all had a broken natural killer cell system. And then we put them on cannabis and their systems have been reactivated. So sure, sure. that's part of the science that we're discovering about this plant which it. is amazing. So stay on the oil Tommy. Do not stop taking it whatever you do. We <laughs> need you around for as long as possible to keep us <laughs> laughing. <laughs> well Tommy, I cannot thank you enough. This has been so much fun. I love that I know this whole new side of you. It's crazy you have the most interesting life and I love how health conscious you are and and thank you Thank you from the very well, depths of my heart for fighting for this plant for so long.
0: My, my pleasure. You give Sylvia a big kiss
1: for me. Big I will. Hug, okay? and, and hopefully you'll be able to give her a big kiss yourself one day. I think you two would have a lot of fun together.
0: <laughs> we'll do it. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Well, that is it for our interview today with Tommy Chong. Wow. Um, mine's a little bit blown. I, You know, you always have this idea of who these people are in your heads, especially like with Tommy when he just has played this role in so many films and in his albums and as a comedian, like he's always been this stoner guy, but he's really just so much more than that. He's an icon. He's a legend. He is a creative, brilliant genius, and he is someone who really understands this plant intimately, not just from a kickback and have fun and let's let's make each other laugh kind of way, but he literally used this plant to help save his life and still to this day accredits the medical cannabis for being one of the tools that helped him get across that finish line and to a no evidence of disease status. So thank you so much for listening today. And thank you to Tommy for continuing to support Saving Sophie. He's done a lot of really great work out there and and uh, has has constantly been verbal about his support for our daughter and for our brand, of Kids, and for the work that we're doing. So, so thank you again to him for that. Don't forget to educate yourself on this plant. There's so much to learn. There's so many valuable, valuable things that you can do and use this plant for. And we will be back with you soon. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future. Uh, We've got Dr. Jennifer Berman from the TV show, The Doctors, that's going to be joining us on on another episode. She's been seen on Oprah Winfrey for many years. She's been all over Bravo TV and E! and beyond. And we have a real-life doctor that's going to come on and tell us why she is so supportive of this plant. So lots of exciting things to talk about and uncover. Please stay safe out there, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good day.